Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey. What's going on? It's coming up on midsummer. <laughs> it certainly is. Are we going to talk about that today? We are because freaking A, it's June. It is. How June. did that happen? Yep. I, I uh, uh, yeah, somehow we just ended up in June. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's been one of those years, Joey. <laughs> it is, and here we are. It's it's going to be a zippity doodah big big bad hairy year. Yeah, well, and you know, we've got lovely eclipses coming up and that have just passed and people are freaking out and they're exhausted and there's all sorts of fun stuff going on. And I am so excited that I don't have to explain it to you because Charlemagne Tremont is here again to tell us all about this because she is the queen of astrology. Yes, she is. Hi, Charlemagne. Good day. Nice to be with you both today. Oh, it's nice to have you here. Now, I have to ask you a question before we begin. Mm-hmm. Is the plural of eclipses eclipse I? Nope, we still say eclipses. There are two eclipses upcoming. They follow one another as always. Just get that right out of the way. We just had that lunar so Yeah, solar eclipse <laughs> on the 10th. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about midsummer. We're back in the wheel of the year um, again. And you mentioned when we were in the green room before we got started here today, that this is almost more sexy than when we were in Beltane. Yes. Why is that? 
just to recap a little for those who may not be aware or for those who didn't hear. So Beltane is this fire festival. We have a maypole. It's very phallic. It's very obvious symbology. The maypole goes in the ground. It's very clearly being planted in the womb of the mother. And this is that sort of exuberance of teenage or young sexuality, right? Where there's brand newness and it's a spring. So I guess everything is flowering, it's coming into fruition, like liveliness after the coldness of winter and the stillness that we've been anticipating uh, being done with as much like we might say about this whole last year. Anyway, so then once we are done with that, we move into summer where we've had that time to be with that sexuality. Things are coming into fruit. So if you look at the agrarian year, the plants are now past blossoming. Some of which are the flowering plants are still coming to full bloom. And then there's the fruiting plants, the agricultural plantings, which are now we're starting to have the first harvests are coming. They're getting ready. Now we're getting those early berries, for example, right? That's beautiful. Very, And that, you think about that sexy fruit, right? Strawberries and cherries and all of that real lush sweetness that the season brings to us in this heat. The heat also of summer, this is part of the heat that is also animal heat, you know, we are looking to the natural cycle. We're seeing that now the the breeding, the coming together that's happening is more about pleasure than about we need to make some offspring because we only have so much time. So it's the same with human beings. We often feel ourselves, our sexuality rises as the heat rises. We feel less kind of cold and in our little places, tucked into our little caves. It's more inviting the heat of the sun is there. Also, you know, this, the mythology is such that the story of the pagan god has come now into maturity and the mother goddess is also no longer the maiden. So they're both in the full flower of their adulthood and that adult sexuality. So this is also a time for the tantric traditions to start having some of their festivals at this time too, right? We're starting to see the other stories too, um, then we know we get to later where there's the sacrificial god in pagan mythology too. So the summer solstice, if we think about the solstices as the life cycle of the god, he's born at the winter solstice and is growing in maturity. Think about the year, right? The sun is reborn and the days get longer. After summer solstice, the days begin to shorten, even though the weather is still warm. Truthfully, in terms of the way the the cycle works, we're getting that shortening of, of daylight. And so then we get the stories of the sacrificial God at solstice. And so there's many traditions that wish you would have um, a God for a day or a King for a certain amount of time in these older villages. And then there'd be the sacrifice. The God must die. The person must die that the grain may grow and that the villages or the kingdom may flourish. So we see that. And historically, Okay, when you say, um, you know, the, the sacrifices, are we actually talking about performing sacrifices here in order to, to go through this particular time of the part of the wheel? Or, or what, what, do we, what do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is yes and no. So in the, in the before <laughs> Boy, look time... Look out, chickens. Look out, oh, not just chickens. In the before time, it's like, really? So for those of you who've seen the movie... Um, <laughs> Wicker Man. This is not shocking. It's about that. So this is an old movie. Christopher Lee, go look it up, you know, have some fun. Um, but that really is looking at a sacrificial ceremony at midsummer. 
right? So when we're looking at, because we don't want to, I don't want to misguidingly miscast ancient cultures. I have a great reverence for ancient cultures and their beliefs and the myths. And some of them did have an actual person that was the sacrificial king. Now, I don't think we should be necessarily doing that in our current day world. There is no need. We can have plenty Thank of, you. <laughs> yeah, we can have plenty of fun, exciting stand-ins for that. And there are traditions that, you know, involve making a dough, baking a man, like right? making a baked one out of a bread, a bread man. You can do that. There's all the sorts of things made with um, corn dollies and all sorts of things that you can go through the year and you can look at the various traditions again around the world. And also at the same time, there's really something about the idea of sacrifice. When we sacrifice something, we are offering something that is made sacred. They come from the same word, sacre, right? From the French, sacred. We sacrifice to make sacred. We can look at traditions all over the world at which beginning to have to examine how the the agricultural cultures that were really in need of harvest being good would make sacrifices to get the attention of the gods and win their favor. So that clears that up. So weddings are also common right around now. And that's part of the tradition as well. Indeed. So June um, is to the goddess Juno. Um, the Roman, you know, the, the Greco-Roman Juno Minerva. And when we're looking at June brides, because May was not allowed, and there's a whole, I could do a whole talk about why June brides and not May brides, but June brides, also it's summer, it's, it's a better time of year. I mean, just from a practical standpoint, the weather's holding, it's warmer, and you're in alignment with this maturity of the goddess and the god coming together in their union so you would celebrate marriages at this time too. Speaking as someone who has a garden going, <laughs> um, I'm looking at my garden and, you know, we sowed early. In fact, a little before the last frost. And, uh, you know, we're starting to see some stuff coming in. It's just starting to bud. You know, it's not fully fully formed yet. Although mm, the birds took my strawberry. But there was a strawberry coming in. I was very excited. And then they took it. I'm not happy with them. But I guess that's my sacrifice to the birds, right? Well, you could actually make a little shrine, right? In your garden to receive offerings, a little place that you dedicate. So as a, as a little working for this time of year, right? For those of you who are fortunate enough to have a little bit of land and you're in connection with the great earth and the great mother goddess on that level, this is a wonderful time to create a beautiful little altar and that you you go and you water and maybe you dedicate, you know, may this garden be blessed, all the growing things, the green and growing things. It's a good thing. You know, the other thing to think about a is... A milk and honey for the fairies. Exactly. I was going to say, and if you are one who works with the fae, you absolutely make sure to stay in their favor and you bring them something really sweet and very pretty. I can really like that. You know, summer solstice, as we're getting towards that, is a, the mother goddess kind of rules this time of year um, and connecting her to the lunar cycle. This would be the full moon. If we were thinking about the parallels, this is more of the full moon fecundity. Everything is coming to its height. Energy is peaking right now. Um, 
there's a way in which uh, life, the life-giving aspect of the mother is really seen now and how she's giving and nurturing to the, the land as well as her people, the gift of all of this food and abundance and energy abundance and warmth and heat, light. So if we wanted to tap into the energy abundance, because, you know, I've been talking to my clients recently and everybody's toast. It's like all of the trauma from the last year is all just sort of bubbled to the surface as we've been getting out and, and life has been starting to return to normal. People are like finally letting go of all the trauma and they're just falling down, right? As we are doing that, if you wanted to tap in to take advantage of all this energy, because the sun at its height is the most energy, right? Uh, What would be your recommendation for how one would take that in? Very simply. I mean, this is the beauty. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, and I do want to make sure, so if you've got people in the Southern Hemisphere who are listeners, they're going to be experiencing winter solstice. So let us not forget them. It's It's the opposite pole. However, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, this is simple as make yourself a lovely little meal, bring a little extra for the land and for the spirits of the land, as well as for your ancestors, if you work with them, any guides and guardians you work with. And on a sunny day, at, the, at close to noon, go out, find yourself a nice sunny place where you can sit down and connect with the land. And if you've got trees nearby, it's very helpful. The rootedness of trees, both reaching down as well as reaching up. Something to think about is high as a tree reaches above, it reaches just as far down into the earth. They're a mirror. And so generally speaking, when we can lean our back on a tree in the sun and connect to that breathing and breathe the light of the of the sun down into ourselves, op- think about opening the top of your head to receive the solar light and energy and the blessings of the sun that like a solar battery you want to store and open it, you know, make that offering of your, whatever it is you want to dedicate your work to for this summer season. It's a wonderful time to do that. I'm asking for added energy. I'm asking for inspiration, creativity. This is all part of what's coming to light. If you think about it that way too. So what do you think about what is my offering? What is my great gift that I want to bring forth? And how can I charge up myself just literally being in the sunshine? If you think about a body that's warm, it tends to relax more versus a body that's cold where we are tight, we contract. When we're in the sun, we're expansive. We're collecting. Think of yourself literally as collecting that energy, collecting inspiration. Ask for guidance. Ask for that warmth of the heart too. It's a time of real connectivity. So in this time of connectivity, we've, you also talked about the, you know, I, I made sort of a little bit of a joke about the eclipses before, but is it common that we see this much energetic universal happenings in midsummer or is this something uh, special for this year? Lucky us, it's special for this year. So we get eclipses every year, both a solar and a lunar, at least one or two of each, each year. That's just how the cycle kind of works. And that's the whole dance of the sun and the moon. However, this year they're happening in the signs of uh, Sagittarius and Gemini, which so we're looking at the the next six months, we have the feeling sort of the hangover, if you will, for some people, the hangover of the eclipse lasts, the effects last for six months. So we'll see eclipses again in December, where what happens now will come home to roost, if that's helpful to understand. 
And there's, I've been seeing everywhere online about the eclipse this time having like a corona effect, like the the sunburst sort of thing. What what is the relevance of that in astrology? Well, the corona itself has not a lot of relevance in astrology. It's just pretty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, I was like, why are people making such a big deal out of this? Like, that's how, like, I don't know anything That's about. how our world is right now. Essentially, what we're really looking at, and it's something I'll be talking about in the moon magic, like I did when we had the lunar eclipse. So, And I think I may have mentioned it a little bit here. You know, when we have an eclipse, we're looking at the, the dance of shadow and light. And so at the lunar eclipse, when is normally a very bright moon, and at that time in the sign of Sagittarius, then came the shadow of the sun, you know, the shadow of the earth blocking it from the natural rays of light it would be receiving from the sun. And so we'd think about what is overshadowing, overshadowing what would normally be bright and light in our consciousness. How do we work with that shadow? What is it here to teach us? When we have a solar eclipse, it's happening in the daytime. And so that's even more pronounced on a certain level. You know, you can look at, again, because I love to, ancient history and cultures where the world was, the end of the world was nigh. The dark of, you know, the darkness was going to come and it was going to last. And then by the miracle of the priests and whomever else, whatever sacrifices were made, and a lot were made during a solar eclipse, lots and lots, the sun would come back and life would return and everything would be fine. You know, the solar eclipse is a very, very powerful energetically too, because what's happening is that shade, it's not a regular shadow. It is a big worldwide event, whether you're seeing it or not, the energy of it is there. And that whole thing from a consciousness standpoint of the world going into darkness, even temporarily, even for that, you know, the period of an eclipse lasts from beginning to end is several hours you know, that movement. And so you'll know, you can read animals behave differently. It feels different. Being out in that light can feel different to us as people. It has a surreal sort of feeling in that, in that moment. Exactly. And so this is a place where the dreaminess, because that's what we're going to see, right? It's the, the shadow of the moon passing. So it's a reverse of what we had at the other eclipse. So now this is about what is in the deep subconscious that's really asking for expression in our conscious world, the light of the sun. And how is it that, and I say this to people who I work with, what is it that we've been suppressing that really is demanding our attention so much so that it's bringing that shadow into the light for us to examine whether we like it or not? And how do we work with it? You know, mythologically, at this time, it's also the epic battle between the Holly King and the Oak King. If you're in the Celtic world, you're sort of aware of the Holly King and the Oak King. Um, and that takes place at both solstices. And um, the sun is the Oak King, usually, and is at the height of his powers now. And he's defeated by the Holly King, and therefore the nights begin to lengthen, and the darkness comes. And then we have the reverse of that at the winter solstice, where the Holly King is slain by the Oak King, and our days get longer. Um, another thing to note is that because this is happening as the sun, it's a transition, right? In the astrology, since you asked, where the sun moves out of Gemini and into Cancer, um, and the wheel of the year kind of turns in the zodiac as well. And so the hot days are with us. It's, you know, once we're into July, June, July, August, 
and we have that sort of lingering fullness. And it's a t- great time to get a lot of work done. It's a great time to really take action. We're in the season of fire. If you think about elemental fire, what is our true will and what are we willing to do to accomplish it? Right. Well, and fire is a great way to celebrate the solstice, right? Absolutely. Many people across the world are lighting fires carefully, safely. We had here sitting in California where there is drought, safely and carefully and consciously working with fire. Mm-hmm. We often find fire, you know, as we've gone through the wheel of the year, there's often been these um, elements of, of creating fire um, as part of the rituals that we're doing at these different holidays. And then here, this is no uh, stranger to that as well, it seems. Yes. And in fact, because again, it's the height of fire. It's the, it's, it's in some ways it's interesting, right? It's the height of the power of the sun in it. Yet it's the beginning of what we think of as summer solstices. Officially, it is now officially summer when we break up the year in quadrants from winter solstice till spring equinox and then spring equinox to summer solstice, summer solstice to autumn equinox autumn equinox to winter solstice, sort of how we divide up the seasons. So, so much like we saw in the winter solstice where the the sun was returning and that was our celebration during the time of Yule, now in midsummer, we're actually going the other way. This is where the sort of the denouement of the, the sun, if you will, starting that downward trend into... Um, into its its shorter time until we we turn it back around again even though for those of us in the northern hemisphere as you said this is our hottest time of the year now if you are in the southern hemisphere you can go back to the episode we did on cool yule and you can start there on your wheel of the year and continue forward and because it's yule for you so yeah we do have an episode on that just go back in time a little bit so as we're lighting our fires, safely, as we're safely, uh, which which could it, you don't even have to do this outside. I mean, I, you know, if you can do it outside safely, I mean, I live in Virginia. We just had like four inches of rain in the last three days. So <laughs> we're fine. Send some but to uh, yeah, so um, but if if you can't do something outside because either you don't have land to do it on or it's not safe to do it. You can always do a fire inside in a fire safe pot, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So that's, that's always an option. Um, and, and you can have just a candle. Exactly. A candle is fire. Exactly. Right? And in fact, I was going to recommend a very short, very brief, easy thing to do for, for that, for, for people who don't have a big ritual space or maybe don't even have many, much in terms of privacy and they're conducting their ritual life in a very contained manner. You know, you can be alone in your room. You can have a couple of pieces of paper, a candle, and then a, a heat-proof pot or bowl, a little cauldron, whatever works for you, and write down the things that, you know, we were talking about sacrifice that you would like to offer up as your sacrifice, as well as the things that you're ready to release as fuel to bring in the things that you want to bring to fruition. How do we motivate? What's the fuel for our fire, for our inner fire, as well as the things we're doing in the outer world? And write them down. jump in on that for a second. Sure. When we are trying to bring something new into our lives and 
I know my people. You guys just want to add more. You want to add more and add more because you can do more better, right? Yes, no. If you're going to bring something new into your life, you really, for your own health and for the the likelihood that you will draw it to you, you need to make space for it. And that means you have to let go of something or some things to make space because let's be clear, you're all overworked, you're all overdone, you're all overcommitted. So, you know, let something go, okay? When you, ideally, if you are in the I'm overcommitted and I'm I'm shutting down regularly crowd, then before you can add something new, you have to let two new, two old things go. That's the best way to do this, to get to back to sanity, okay? And so this is the great place to let those things go and to release them and to wish them well and say, okay, you know, this has served me, but I am no longer going to be doing this, right? I'm letting it go. I honor the path that it, it walked with me and I am releasing it. And that's important, right? You have to make space for anything that we call in and recognize that's part of the sacrifice, right? Recognize what I am going to let go in order to bring in the thing that I want and need now. You know, there's a way in which also this is a time of inspiration. And so it's not just about the things I want and the things I want to get rid of. It's also a time of great inspiration and seeking a vision because we're at the height of our energy and the sun is at the height of its powers, so we think about the sun again as inspiring, warming, you know, from ancient times until now, uh, all earthbound beings are deeply impacted by the energy of the cycles of the seasons. That's just the facts, um, the pull that they have on us emotionally, energetically, psychologically. Um, and as we become more aware of the changing phases of our lives, we attune our personal life force, right? And direct our attention and intention to alignment with what we observe mirrored in those patterns that we see in nature, as well as in what we're talking about now, which is the solar and the lunar rhythms and how they are activating. And if we think about the feminine receptive energy as the moon, we see that how that has an effect on our magical work in a smaller cycle that's mirrored by the larger solar cycle, which is the same of waxing and waning light, enhancing our spiritual practices and taking more time for simple pleasures, as well as daily activities now from solstice until autumn equinox, when that waning that you'd mentioned, Joey, and that we've been talking about is really evident. You know, when we were at that equinox, we've got now the equal light. And then things are really obviously waning. We're also at Mercury retrograde. Ain't we really? (laughs) So you want to be really, say, I've been asked about that, I think more this cycle than I have, I think in years. And what I've been saying to people, especially because again, how it impacts us has everything to do with the sign it's happening in and where it is in our own chart. And because it's happening in the air sign of Gemini, which we are in, it's really upsetting a lot of people's minds. It's interfering with a lot of communication and transportation and hopes for travel. Um, I'm going to be very cautious about what I do or do not say about the opening or not opening of things at this point. At the same time, we're really feeling that the three week or so cycle of a typical Mercury retrograde is activating a lot of things because we've also had it coming on top of these eclipses. 
And so when already activated nervous system, and because we're in Gemini and it has a lot to do with the nervous system and the brain, so we're already sensitive and activated, and now we're very easily frustrated. We're often thinking we're hearing or have said one thing or another thing, and it's very often we think that, but that may not actually be true. Our perceptions are highly sensitized, sometimes into the on switch and sometimes in the off switch. And so paying a lot of attention to how much energy we really have to give right now, even though the impetus is to put it out there, being really mindful of whether we truly have it is important. I would emphasize that. As we're releasing things, you know, the, uh, the Mercury retrograde is always about going in and clearing out the closet, right? As well as review. Internal. Yeah. And so as you're having your fire of releasing things, you may find that there are some things coming up that you go, wait, I don't need this anymore. Right. And and you want to just put it into the fire with everything else that you're letting go of. Now, a, a reminder When you're releasing, it's not about throwing something away because you want to get away from it. It's about letting go that which you are already complete with. Exactly. Because when we just try to throw a thing away like that in solstice is really not a great time to just be recklessly tossing things off. Um, I I really want to emphasize that it's not a good time to do that. We, We want to, especially in the summer solstice, because we may discover it's a baby with the bathwater situation that um, the things that showed up for us at the last solar holiday at Beltane, um, some of them may feel like we want to be done or they should be done, the idea that it should be. And I like saying this a lot these days. These energies are not like a can of beans. They don't have an expiration date, okay? (laughs) They're not. It's not like, oh, hmm, I guess that's over. Mm -mm. These, It's a pattern. It's a cycle. It's grand and complex on a certain level that's not always conscious that we're not always, I'm sorry, that we're not always consciously aware of. And so there's a tension between these polarities and these opposites and that desire that people often have. It's our preference. It may not be the reality. We may wish we were done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have this conversation with my clients all the time where where they're like, well, I should be further along or I'm I'm late. I'm late getting started. It's like, no, you're exactly on time. You are always exactly on time. You, it is physically impossible for you to be late. And it's not too late for you to get started, right? I, I hear this from people all the time, especially if they're over 40, that they're like, oh, I'm, I'm so late to the party. I should have started in my 20s. And I'm like, you know what? Not many people start in their 20s. <laughs> in fact, the vast majority of the people I work with are 30s, 40s, and 50s. And, you know they all come in going, I'm late. No, I'm like, no, you're right on time. Yeah, you're, you're good. Right you're golden. You're right on time. Right? Yeah. So, so there's this, again, it's that goal oriented thinking that gets in our way. Right. And it's super common. And again, right now, the light of the sun, what wants to be illuminated within us, for us, what are we really, really trying? What do we aspire to? I like to think about that too. What are we aspiring to? at this time. And quite often, I think that one of the things that we kind of can get in trouble with has to do with when we're reaching beyond what we can actually do. And so again, um, really trying to think about the ways in which um, the summer solstice, you know, 
calls us to be present, calls us to feel expansive. And there's a difference between expanding into what is our sphere and overreaching. If we're overexpending our energy, that is not the same. That's not the thing about going out and gathering that sunlight, calling it into us, helping us to grow the ways that we want to grow and attend to the things that we wish to bring to fruition as our harvest in the autumn. It's a big, important thing not to lose sight of that. That is the long game. What are we going to have in autumn that we are able to bring in and it's going to sustain us through the the long, cold and dark months of winter? It is always to have that mindset. So the ritual that we're looking for is to have the, the pieces of paper to have the fire, whether that be in a candle or in a, in a container or whatever, or outside as a bonfire, if you have that option. Um, and to use the pieces of paper to write down the things that we are letting go of and to burn those in the fire. And so now we're, we're letting those go. And now we're thinking about the inspirations. So I'm, I want to be really clear. You should not be throwing things you're releasing and inspirations into the fire at the same time. Exactly. Oh my God, no, please don't. Uh, Make sure that you're taking space to define and declare. I like to say that declare your intentions when you do this work, that it is done mindfully, very, very mindfully. And that sometimes I say, like you said, make a space, right? The thing we want to release, we do that first with gratitude. It's like, think of yourself uh, talking to a revered elder, right? You're not just going to go, gimme, gimme, gimme. You're going to say, thank you for these things that I've received. Here's what I want to offer as a show of my gratitude that other things may come. And then you maybe give it a beat (laughs) before you go. And then I want this. Don't be that person. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) It's like any relationship. Well, when you ask for something, the the appropriate way to do that is to do it with gratitude as well. To say, to come at it from a place of, I know you love me and I know that you're going to grant my my wish because I am you and you are me and I am creating this as much as you are creating this. And so I am now putting this into the fire that the energy may be sent into the universe, that it may call to me that which I am calling into being. And so that way you're, you're bringing it in with the gratitude of knowing that the moment it hits the fire, it's already done. Right. Yeah. Sort of think about it like the gift of light and heat as fire, right? We take that in ourselves as well. So it's another way to work with it. Think about that flame coming in, just like you did in the outside in the sunlight. You do it with the flame, right? That there's a synergy that's created between light and matter. When that light hits that fire, like you're saying, right, a magical process is happening. And we can think of that as um, just like the sun brings fertility and fruitfulness to the land. We're asking for this expression to return something to us as well, right? This is what this is. Um, well, and an, another way to think of it is an, as an exhale of releasing that which you are complete with and an inhale of bringing in that which you are, are bringing into fruition. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, this, it's a two-part thing. It's a functional, like, it's like a breath, right? So there's, it's a union and it's a coupling within our breath. 
uh, as well as with, again, back to the sexiness, the union and the coupling that is happening between the goddess and the god, because that's truth, right? It's the yin and the yang. They're always present and it's always alive. And so we think about it as an active phase where um, the, the two halves of the oppositional, but they're not really oppositional. The two polarities are coming together um, and they are intrinsic to one another's expansion and growth to being whole and actively engaging each other through what I think of as just the eros of nature, right? Alive within us and within everything around us that um, has both going through a process of dynamic differentiation while it's coming together at the same time. It's sort of that duality it's happening that's then creating the child of light. If we want to think about that, the magic that gets born from the work that we do, that is our child of light as well as our own inner child. If you do any of that healing work, it's where we're shining a lot of light on the wholeness of self as well. So in the opposite of winter solstice, which is often thought of as the holiday about the sun, the S-O-N, it's Christ, it's Christmas, all those holidays, Mithras, I want to throw in the bacon gods as well. This is another place for that, where our own inner child of light, which is our highest aspiring self, our soul's light, comes to be seen and felt and energized by us at this time because the energy is there, the support is there, it's happening, we can witness it all around us and all of the beings and in the earth herself. Yeah, very, very cool. Very powerful, magical time. Like every one of these spokes in the wheel that we have hit this, um, this, this time of connectedness, this time of energetic working. It's kind of, kind of cool. Kind of cool. We're continuing to move through the wheel of the year. Uh, Kelly, I know there was something you wanted to talk about today that, that sort of ties in to what's going on astrologically in terms of, of um, some work that people can be doing right now. Yes. Well, Charlemagne, if you have been fascinated by her, which most people are, always, um, <laughs> she's, she's so well-read, so knowledgeable. I, I just bow to her wisdom and let her talk. Um, she actually leads a moon magic circle for my company. And um, it, it is... Amazing. If you think you learned a lot in this last half hour, just imagine she does two rituals a month and the research that she does and the mythology that you learn and the astrology and how it interrelates with the mythology. And then she creates the ritual custom designed around where you are in your personal process. And it is transformational on such a lovely, deep level. And, and the group is actually rather small. So, you know, it's, it's really a lovely, intimate journey into yourself as you go through the, the cycle of the moon and the astrology that goes along with it. And she does such a beautiful job. I hear such amazing things from people who are in the program and I have been at her rituals in the past and holy crap, the woman's amazing. Okay. So she's, she's just sitting over here going, Oh, thank you. I can see her. <laughs> but, but she earns it every single day. So if that's something that interests you, it's on my website at kellysparta.com. Um, and if you just scroll down the homepage, there's a button you can hit that goes straight to the Moon Magic Circles. It's $100 a month. And, and it's you also get a, a ritual basics course with it included that um, will teach you all the basics of what you need to know in order to participate in these rituals. They're all virtual online. So you do it from the 
comfort of your own home and you can follow along with what you've, and, and she tells you what to put in place and what, what pieces and parts you need to put the ritual together. And so you get to have that in your home and you get to, to steep in it. Right. And so it's, it's absolutely amazing. And if you, if you don't have, especially if you're somebody who lives in an area where you really don't have access to community, this is a lovely community of people who are doing this work together. And it's, it's, it's really lonely to try and do this by yourself. And this is a great way to connect in and find that community. And it's a nice sort of baby step forward into your your work. I say baby step, but we all know that we don't do anything half-assed around here. So you know, it's a little bit more than a baby step, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. It's, it's a lower commitment level. <laughs> it's kind of more what I'm saying, <laughs> but, but you, you jump in and you really do your work and it's amazing. And, and she is just when I was thinking about who I wanted to lead this, there was no question in my mind that it was her. She was my first and only choice. So, Excellent. Yeah. So get out there and sign up for the Moon Magic Circle. Yes. Excellent. Thank you for that. I'm, I want to say how much I'm loving doing them and that one of the things that I've been thinking about, even as we think about opening up again, is that in fact... In some ways, this will be even more powerful to have because it's no matter where you are, you also have access to the recordings of these things. So you can go back, unlike when we're doing a ritual in real time and somebody may have said something or we may have had an exercise to do and it may have struck something within us. Having those recordings and being able to go back and look at and feel through and repeat if we desire to an exercise, a piece of magic, a meditation it's really super powerful. It builds your magical repertoire. That's what it does. Perfect. Awesome. Well, this has been fantastic as always. Thank you, Charlemagne, for joining us. Kelly, do you have a Kellyism as we head out here? Breathe in the life you desire. Okay. I love it. I love it. This yeah. is the exhale, inhale analogy that you were making earlier. Perfect. Oh, I love yeah. it when everything sort of just circles around each other and swirls into a lovely, delightful little episodic thing. And that is all the episodic things that we have for this week. But be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I am Joey C. here with Kelly Sparta and Charlemagne Tremont, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Spirit Trippa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under a Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to www.creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to kelly at kellysparta.com. To sign up for or get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to www.kellysparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honey Voice Productions with post-production by Christopher Wright. Into my home and my love and my life and me. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing? But you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since 
you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.